0: Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, November 2nd, I'm your host Jack Bushman, you can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast, you can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free, wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts odyssey spotify google podcast etc if you go and follow the show right now then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day all right good morning everyone as always thank you for making lockdown blackhawks your first listen here to start your day finally folks finally the chicago blackhawks are in the win column this season on the show today i'll be going over the 5 to 1 win over the ottawa senators last night and kind enough to join me for a quick post game chat last night was ross Leviton from uh who's one half of the lockdown senators podcast ross and i broke down everything from the game uh we also talked about both the blackhawks and the sens sluggish start to the season we also touched on uh where these teams could be when they meet again in march and just a couple of other fun things along the way. So I hope you all really enjoy this episode. It was uh, a lot of fun and always is doing these crossovers with other hosts from across the network. So I hope you all enjoy. And also real quick, uh, I definitely wanted to be sure to apologize for my raspy voice this morning and also in the crossover with Ross. I haven't really been able to talk much these last couple of days. I may have accidentally celebrated Halloween a little too hard. My bad. Oh, man, that one that one was terrible. <laughs> um, that, that was why there was not an episode that came out yesterday. But don't worry, folks. I'll be coming out with an episode this Saturday to make up for that after the Blackhawks take on the Winnipeg Jets on Friday night. So I promise I'm going to make it up to you. But now, please enjoy this crossover episode with Ross Leviton from Locked On Senators. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me now for a quick post-game chat is none other than Ross Levitin from Locked On Senators. Ross, thanks for joining me tonight, brother. I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Jack, great to be here, man. I'm sure you're buzzing off that 5-1 victory too.
0: Oh, it's about time, dude. It took only 10 games. Finally, something went right for the Chicago Blackhawks. Feels like forever since I've been able to say that. Um... And it's just, it's also very nice to be back into, uh, I know you're probably feeling the same way, back to a normal year here, and we get to hear some different voices and ha- have some good conversations with different folks across the network.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, the Sens already done their season series with the Stars, so we've gotten a taste now of, uh, of the Western Conference already. And yeah, that first game against an American team was against the Sharks uh, back last week. And ever since then, it's only been American teams. It's been such a nice change of pace. Senators are on their first road trip down in the states since uh March 2020. They uh, they were the last game actually. It was them at LA, and then the sports world went uh, went quiet the next day. So yeah, certainly a sense of normalcy that's well well needed.
0: Definitely, and I was literally just thinking this. I cannot tell you the last time the Blackhawks played the Ottawa Senators. Like it feels like an eternity.
1: Yep, <laughs> man, it has, and that's why the stats that came out towards the end of the game, especially when you knew the. Chicago Blackhawks are going to emerge victorious. Like the Sens have lost nine of 10 at the United center. And that has to go back to like 2013 or 14. That's got to be the better part of a decade.
0: (sighs) Been too long, dude. But thank you again for taking the time to join me. Uh, And we were chatting a little bit before this. The first period was some good back and forth action, especially for Ottawa. I mean, they came out with some pretty strong pep in their step. Um, What were your kind of thoughts on that? And just overall, um, the rest of the game, not being able to kind of live up to those expectations. They said in the first 20.
1: Yeah. You certainly look at the the box score at the end of the game. You're like, Oh man, really? Like top line was all dashed too. If you'd only watched the first 20 minutes, like that's a line that carried them against Dallas and to Washington an extent as well. When you give up seven, you're not going to win, but Ottawa still provided five goals of offense in that game. And all of it is coming from their top line this past week. So once they were starting to hum around the offensive zone, and they had that power play, the puck movement's been great for Ottawa uh, with the man advantage recently. Their power play is clicking really well. Not tonight, obviously, but uh, beforehand. So you see that first power play go their way, and oh man, are, are you going to start to to get past Flurry or start to get in his grill? Ottawa's been able to do that in the past, especially in his days with Pittsburgh, but. After that, the wheels just kind of fell off. You know, Patrick Kane scored the power play two minutes in to the second period. And the, the goal at the end of the first, yeah, that'll happen. But Brandon and I on Locked On Centers, we always discuss momentum goals. First two minutes of the period, last two minutes of the period, and two minutes after either team scores. And what did the Hawks get tonight? Uh, I mean, nine seconds out from two minutes into the second period, but then they get those back-to-back goals at the start of the third. And that was really the backbreaker. Of course, you get one back right away, 20 seconds later, but it really felt like that Patrick Kane is second, is first rather second Hawks goal of the game. Once that went in, it was starting to be an uphill climb and the Ottawa just right now where they are in the rebuild when they're chasing a game, they're at their absolute worst.
0: Yeah, that that's tough to hear. And you actually bring up a, a good point, a relatable point for us, Blackhawks fans, those momentum goals, the Blackhawks have been on the wrong side of those all season Every time something went wrong, it turned into a huge tumbleweed effect, and every the, the wheels just completely fell off, like you said. So I think that was probably the key for the on um, the Blackhawks' side tonight was they finally got those big-time momentum goals, as you said. That first one by Brandon Hagel late in the first period I really thought was crucial because <laughs> with the Blackhawks not having a win through their first nine games coming into tonight, they hadn't been going into that first intermission with the lead enough. So I thought that was a, a really – huge goal and then throughout the way Patrick Kane just completely took over.
1: Well I also read that the Hawks had let in the most first period goals against in the entire National Hockey League so for them to escape the first period without a goal against man then you start to see the ice tilt and the confidence mount within that group.
0: Absolutely and, and with Mark andre Fleury I got to talk about his play in that first period because by him keeping the Hawks alive throughout the rest, rest of the way that's what gave Patrick Kane that opportunity to eventually take over the game without Flurry making those stops that he did in those first 10-15 minutes. I think we could be talking about a completely different storyline here tonight, Ross.
1: Yeah, well, especially too that breakaway save on Alex Formanton, uh, was a huge momentum swing, I thought. And once he made that one, then you, you really start to see with Flurry, right? The smiles going behind the mask once he good. gets in the zone. You know when he's feeling good, and then all of a sudden the pulls out the windmill save like he did at the end of tonight. So that's just he's all-time show. He's a showman. And I love that as a goalie friendly show for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. We haven't been seeing that enough uh, from Fleury in his short time here so far with the Blackhawks. Uh, but I definitely wanted to bring up Formanton because he had a bunch of chances tonight. There there were I know the Senators really didn't do all that much offensively. There were two guys in particular that I wanted to talk about. And the first was Formanton I, I don't really know much about him. Uh, what's kind of his backstory and has he been performing well so far this year?
1: Well, you can go listen to his interview on Locked On Senators. Had him on uh, right before the season. He's an absolute beauty. Goes back uh, to his days with the London Knights, obviously one of the most prestigious OHL uh, franchises. And the way I compare him to, and I'm sure, uh, you know, getting to see Michael Grabner over the years, you know what he brings. And I I see a very similar skeleton of a player where if he can score on a fifth of his breakaways, he's going to score 20 in this league. He is. It's just a matter of getting there. Another player comparable, our good friend, Ian Mendez, who covers the Sens with the Athletic. He had a, a, a Chicago native who he compared him to, Ottawa Senator, Ryan Dezingle, another similar type player. So you know the prototype, like just speed to burn, but it's what else can they bring? And with Formington, he does bring a bit of a physical presence too. I love what he can do shorthanded. He's uh, He scored an absolute beauty last year against Montreal. So he's a guy who has flashes of speed and Pardon the the pun there. We call him Flash Formington here up uh, up in Ottawa. So (laughs) this guy, like, he's just scratching the surface. He played one year in Belleville. I was working for the team back then, and he had 27 goals as a 20-year-old in AHL. So the offense is a part of his game. It's just, can he be a top six guy at the NHL level? Maybe not. But playing the left side, he's going to be behind Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla until if stutzlaver moves to center so if he can be a sick third liner yeah he's certainly a guy who if you're an opposing fan and they mentioned on the broadcast like after i think it was his second chance like you you know that jeremy colton's telling his guys at the morning skate like hey look at number 10 like you might not know much about him but you can't let him get behind you or stay on your heels when you're out there as a defender so yeah he's a fun player to watch for sure
0: all right, ladies and gentlemen, this special crossover edition of Lockdown Blackhawks will continue in just a moment, but first, I need to talk to you all about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more right now at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Definitely he had a plethora of chances tonight. Unfortunately, for Sens fans, wasn't able to beat Mark Andre Fleury. The other player for the Senators that stood out to me immediately was just Timmy Stutzla. That first power Unreal, play. Eh? That first power play where that you were talking about earlier, the way he was just able to move the puck so swiftly on both sides, too, the left and the right. That really impressed me.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, Formanton did beat Fleury, only guy in Ottawa. So uh, give him uh, a little credit. An absolute <laughs> ripped. Wrist or up? I forgot uh, about that. But, I forgot then, that. but then, but then, Flurry gets him back right later in the game. The windmill that we referenced earlier on. But uh yeah, we call him Timmy Superstar up here and for good reason. Like this guy, he he's got this move, and you saw it in his draft packs as well when he was with Germany. And you're like, can he do that at the NHL level? It turns out he can. Where he's almost Patrick Kane does this too. Where as they're cycling, coming from down low to up high, they just hold the puck as far out as they can but they're so good on their edges that they can still generate speed without bringing the puck into their feet. So he has that unique ability to control play from the outside. And that's why, even though the Senator's biggest need is at center, they just see so much value in him on the wing, much like Patrick Kane, much like Artemi Panarin. Those are the two guys who Sens fans are hoping can be the ceiling for a guy like Tim Stutzla because he's getting a little bit of a reputation going down a little easier than maybe he should, especially in that Rangers game. He ultimately got called for embellishment and you could say it was kind of a makeup call. He was doing it earlier in the game. That play can opener won't get into it, but when he puts on a, f- a few pounds, like that's the way I see it. He's a, still a teenager. He's played 60 some NHL games. He doesn't turn 20 until January. So you're that's just crazy. seeing, yeah, you're just seeing the guy. guy's the youngest player all of last year. In the in the NHL, and he is just a fun dude to watch. They need to surround him with a little more talent. I think that's probably Ottawa's next building block because now they've got the top line. Like I'm sure you saw Drake Batherson make things happen out there too. Second star of the week in the NHL this uh, this week, six points in two games. Like their top line, that's I think. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Josh Norris, two goals uh, in his last game. So that top line, I think they see a lot of potential in it. But right now, especially there's a few key injuries. Shane Pinto's a favorite prospect of mine. He's out of lineup with a with a shoulder sprain. So until he's back right now, there's some grinding bottom six guys who I think are playing a little too high in the lineup. So when Ottawa can figure it out defensively, that's really the number one issue plaguing this team. Then the next thing is get Timmy somebody who can think the game at the same level as him. And once you have that, then I think you're gonna open up a cheat code here because. Although you noticed him tonight, and he had two assists last game, and he's so noticeable every game, Tim is still without a goal this year, which is uh, a little shocking for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I actually did not know that.
1: You know, uh, he's only got one goal in 29 home games, and it was in his, in his first ever home game with Ottawa. Yeah. It's I was just about to say,
0: I, didn't he score in his first one? That's what I was just about to say.
1: Yeah, and it was like the puck was, it went a deflection way up in the air, and he timed it so that right when it hit the ground, one timer in the back of the net. But yeah, he hasn't scored since at home, and nobody is getting on him. No local media is turning on him because he generates chances every single night. Oh, and he's a teenager. So those things uh, combined, you're just looking at what could the future be. Uh, when you look at guys like that, right? Ottawa's in the stage that the Hawks were in like 06, 07, 07, 08. You're still gathering all the draft picks that you hope to be your core. And you got to hit a few trades along the way and, Clearly, Ottawa sold off everyone who made any money for the last few years from Shane <laughs> Stone, Hoffman. In the playoffs, last two years, we did this thing called Sends Abroad, where uh all the players who used to play for Ottawa and you could make an absolute all-star team, like the top line, Hoffman, Zabanajad, and Stone with right. Carlson on the point. So, you know, you see all these guys having success around the league. And you're like, all right, like, what'd you get in return? And now Stutzla, part of the Carlson trade. Josh Norris, a part of the Carlson trade. Uh, You're starting to see a bit of the fruit of the labor. But then nights like tonight happen, and you lose 5-1 to a team and a superstar player like Patrick Kane. And you start to think, oh, we are still a little bit of a ways away from being a competitive team.
0: So, yeah, what kind of is the overall mindset in Ottawa right now around the Senators team? Is there still patience? Is there an urgency? What's kind of the mindset?
1: I think the main urgency is in the front office, right? Because Pierre Dorian, despite signing a contract extension, he was told mandate is get this thing moving into a playoff style team, but you look and just the depth isn't there yet. You, you can't say it is what they have done is draft really well, but also draft off the board. So, you know, analysts love throwing the F next to the sends grades of the draft (laughs) the day after. And then the next year, all of a sudden, it's all these surprise guys. So, they're still in that stage of, of growing internally. And then they're going to have to add like that cherry on top piece. You know, you have to go out and be like, all right, we, we need to make an actual move now. And a lot of Sens fans and not like I'm I'm breaking news that he's a great player, but they see a, a potential fit with Claude Giroux, like that style of player. He's an Ottawa boy. He's got a young family now. He's in the last year of his contract. So a lot of Sens fans are kind of drawing the lines and saying like, who could a guy, it's not Chicago, right? You have to have guys who want to come play in Ottawa. It's not a, yes. as easy of a sell. Um, Although guys like Tim Stutzla, when you have talent like that, guys want to play with them. But that's the type of player that they're going to have to go out and get if they want to make it to the next level. But to answer your question, fans are, are very patient right now because the last three years have been like a lot of bad efforts, especially two and three years ago. And now you're seeing this is a team that's going to grind it out until the very end, like Brady's still throwing his body around when it's 5-1 down there. He's the absolute leader of this team. So I think that if he had signed three years, there would have been a lot more pressure on, OK, how do you impress Brady to make sure he wants to stay? Now that you have Stutzla, as Stutzla's actually like the next guy and, and Norris as well. But they've got Shabbat locked up for seven more years. Brady locked up for seven more years and Drake Batherson for six. So I think fans see the core that's going to be around for a long time. So as long as there's little gains from these types of players that you want to see grow, I think that there's a lot of patience for this year, one more high draft pick, but as of next year, it's like, Hey, no more excuses. Let's go.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I feel like Brady Kachuk is such a good fit for this team right now. Last question I will have for you, Russ. When's Brady getting the C, and how much <laughs> how, how much is the city bought behind him, knowing that that this is the kind of guy we think we can get behind going forward?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like he's had that it factor since day one, being in the organization, right? Like he got passed over third overall by the Montreal Canadians, Ottawa's biggest rival. So you, where's, you know, where's that guy
0: now? Where's, give where's it that, to him. Where's that third overall Car- pick now? Yeah,
1: Carolina. So you love that, <laughs> although it kind of hurts the memes, right? Because it was all like that woman's face when they passed on him. There's like, there's a lot of good content around that. So <laughs> what I'm getting to is Brady Kachuk's first ever rookie game with the same, you know, they do that rookie tournament with like two other teams. So Ottawa's playing Montreal first period. Brady smokes Kotkaniemi in the corner, takes the puck, goes out front, power move, scores, and then looks at Kotkaniemi and just yells at him. And I all fancy that, right? And they're like, "Okay, this is our guy. This is our guy right Sold. here." Sold. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Ottawa's pretty like a lot of people say, white collar town, like very political, right? Capital of Canada, and this, mm-hmm. but there's definitely an appreciation for old school players. Like this organization had Chris Neal for a thousand games, only team he ever played for. Oh, what a like, beauty! They love their their scrappers in this city, and like the the Kachuk. Aura is just infectious and uh I'm not, I might be a little biased, but I think that Ottawa got the better of the two brothers too when you look at just the size like Matthew's got some serious skill. I don't think Brady's going between the legs from the hash marks with terrible. three seconds, right? but he's just got that beast size he's like six five two twenty only getting bigger right he's just turned 22. so he is the perfect guy to lead this charge. but there's also a lot of talk that it could be Thomas Shabbat. Now I don't think it is. But you look at a bilingual city like Ottawa, I do think there is something to be said for having a guy that can handle the French and English media all the same. But that's not to say Shabbat wouldn't be that guy anyways wearing the A, but it is something interesting. We know the Habs will only have a French-Canadian coach and and maybe that limits them in, in what they're going to bring. But um, no, I, I only say that to kind of drum up a narrative or of a conversation, but Brady's the cap this team. And I think there's a weekend here Uh, where Ottawa plays back-to-back home games. You're starting to get into the Christmas season, maybe sell a few extra jerseys, but with the C on the front. So I'm calling November 13th against Pittsburgh Penguins, and guess who's in town the next night? His brother, Matthew.
0: Oh, baby, that's setting up perfect, it sounds like.
1: Yep. So what's going on with the Hawks, man? Before we go, like 07 and 2 I'm looking into them, doing my preview today, and you're like, okay, Seth Jones, yeah, the analytics community absolutely hates this guy. He's still leading the team in points. So where is it going wrong? You mentioned momentum goals, but if you're a Hawks fan, what kind of positivity can you grasp onto right now?
0: All right, folks, this conversation with Ross Leviton from Lockdown Senators will be back in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Spill Bar has a ton of awesome classic flavors like coconut, double chocolate, salted caramel, and now they also have a couple of new flavors like strawberry and grasshopper cookie, which is really good if you like mint. They just sent me a package of cookie dough, which is incredible, and they also have cookies and cream Cherry Barcia, and many more fantastic flavors, all of which also are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they're also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15, capital L in LOCKED, then the number 15, to get 15% off your next order. One more time, be sure to check out Built Bar for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our exclusive promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. I'll start with Seth Jones. In my opinion, I think Seth Jones has been phenomenal, especially these last, three or four games he had a couple hiccups along the way in those those first few you know getting adjusted to a new system new teammates and everything and typical uh twitter hockey community just absolutely dug him a new one but these last four or five games i think he's been really good he's shown that he can play like a number one defenseman basically though the thing for him and the blackhawks as a whole they just need more consistent defense they've been throwing both mark andre flurry and kevin lankanen under the bus this year giving up way too Many high danger opportunities and the, thinking that the goalies can bail them out night in and night out. That's that's not how it works when you want to be a winning team. And the Blackhawks didn't seem to get that get that mindset through uh those first nine games, unfortunately it took them till their tenth to get that first W. But they have slowly started to get a little bit better in the areas that we need to see them be. And Patrick Kane missed the last four games because of COVID protocol. We still have three other guys, Kara, Riley Stillman. Um That they're out right now. We have had assistant coaches out. Everything that seemed to go—that everything possible that could go wrong through these last through October, really, Ross—seemed to happen for the Blackhawks. And unfortunately, it took a a big chunk of the season already for them to kind of wake up and uh, have this realization: Hey, it's do or die time. We got to start putting it together. But it's just been a a combination, I think, of not living up to the, the the new additions: Seth Jones, Jake McCabe. Uh, Tyler Johnson, Mark andre Fleury even. I know the defense hasn't done him a lot of favors. He still, I didn't think, had been on his A game through those first couple of weeks. Now he's put back-to-back games where he's only allowed one goal, and he's really starting to find his stride, I think, and get some confidence. Um, but, yeah, it, it was uh, just making life too tough, on, too tough on the goaltenders, and I didn't think the coaching, to be honest, really did all that many favors. Jumbling line combinations, guys in and out of the lineup. Dylan Strom is regularly getting healthy scratched over – fourth line grinders I think it's just a combination of both honestly it had really cost this team through the month of October and unfortunate that it only lasted 10 games but hey new month Ross we're hoping uh, new November is Blackhawks month to finally wake up and realize that the season has started but um it's not gonna be easy they got Carolina coming up and the division's an absolute dogfight. So. yeah
1: and Carolina just uh, doubled them up a eh, last week as well
0: yeah, Carolina's been giving the Blackhawks some fits for these past couple of years, and they're a really dangerous team. I mean, they haven't been able to do it in the postseason, but I think they're on the cusp of something really special there.
1: Yeah, no question. So now you're looking at a team's 10 games in the season, just got their first win. Now, Ottawa, their second and final meeting against Chicago is March 12th. Where do you expect oh. the Hawks to be by then? Like game 61, are they going to be in the middle of the playoff push? Are they going to be up already in the top three in the central? Or... More than what we've seen so far this year, and maybe it's another high draft pick.
0: Man, I honestly don't know what's coming from this team next. It has been a whirlwind these last few weeks. Um, man, I wish that game would have been the one in Chicago. That's the day after my birthday. Black oh, there you go. Uh, but um, it's I have no idea to be honest with you. You know, I think this team does have the talent to piece it together and figure it out finally. You know, if they can get the ball rolling here. But at the same time, you know, we've seen the issues that have plagued this team through the past couple of years, bad defense mostly. That's a, that's still happening even with Seth Jones and Jake McCabe coming in. So if those guys, you know, continue to struggle, I think the defense really makes or breaks this Blackhawks team. Patrick Kane, we know what he can do offensively, right? Alex DeBrick gets a 40-goal scorer. Jonathan Taze is finally hitting his stride. But if we can't stop teams from scoring on Mark andre Fleury, one of the best netminders in the entire world, you know, we're going to have some serious problems. So. I'm hopeful that, you know, they'll be in the thick of it. That's my hopes. I can't say I expect anything more than that at this point, sitting at one, seven, and two. But, you know, (laughs) come March 12th, buddy, if they're in the thick of things, I'll be more than happy. And on the flip side, what what are you thinking for the Sens here, Ross? What what would um, be your guess as to how how they're going to be sitting come March 12th?
1: Yeah, it's, it's so hard to predict at this point, but I think if you're a Sens fan, you're just hoping for the progression of these young kids, right? Like, you want to see some milestones this year, right? Like, Brady's been at 22, 21, and then I think he had 17 in the shortened season. So, like, a nice 25, 30-goal season for him. You know, these guys are just starting to feel a bit better about themselves. Like, Tim Stutzla, one home goal would be would be nice, but no, you're, you're just looking at for a little bit of growth. and. I think uh, for, from my perspective as a fan, something that's really kind of an X factor. And again, Ottawa's decor, especially outside the top pair, like Shabbat and Zub. I don't know if you've noticed Artem Zub much tonight, but he's been a revelation with this Ottawa team. He came over from Russia after his 25-year-old season. Nobody knew what to expect. There was no preseason games last year. And this Zoop kid was a healthy scratch the first four games. He comes in and now he's top pair, like unbelievable player. But with Thomas Shabbat, like he is such an X factor on this team. They stole him at 18 in the draft. Like they, that was when uh, Boston had those three picks in a row and they kind of squealed on all three. I think Jake DeBras was the best they got. And then the next three picks were Barzal, Connor and Shabbat. And you're like, I oh, do remember that? wow, those guys are lucky. Um, or the, the teams are lucky ending up with those players uh, after that stretch. So Shabbat, that's 2015 now, right? So he's getting paid like a top defenseman. Lots of fans think they locked him up at the right time because now it seems like the going rate for a top defenseman is $9 million plus. And he, they locked him up at 8 by 8 which uh, which is starting to look like a steal. And he's playing the best hockey of his career. So if, if Ottawa sees a lot of progression from Stutzla, Shabbat, Norris, Kachuk, and Batherson and I'll say Pinto too, because the center position is one of, of much need for Ottawa, then everything else is kind of on the periphery. If uh, Nikita Zaitsev away, loses them the game, whatever, you know what? You'll you'll deal with that in the summer. So uh, as long as the, the key players are playing well and maybe get a little extra goaltending because Matt Murray's not going anywhere for the next three years, uh, you, you saw kind of the good, bad and the ugly with Matt Murray tonight, right? A couple of really nice saves. Uh, post to post great uh positioning early no rebounds then the bad which is his glove hands been a, a problem for years and like what he had three tonight that just hit his glove and bounce out yeah, and you're like, okay weird. yeah he, he can't catch the puck very well not gonna play shortstop <laughs> in, his, uh, in his post career that's for sure but uh and then the ugly is when he lets in one sometimes his confidence waves and when that happens it's uh it's tough for for him but Ottawa's got Great goaltending in uh, Philip Gustafson, a guy they acquired a trade a few years ago. He got the win in Dallas. He's got two out of their four wins this year. Um, just himself, Matt Murray, still looking for his first. Uh, Anton Forsberg, the other two. I think he's a former Blackhawk, isn't he? Anton uh, Forsberg? Anton yes. Forsberg, Yeah, yes. yeah. So he's kind of a fill-in guy. Made 46 saves against Toronto in the in the home opener. So that was a solid little victory uh, against Mitchie and all those guys uh, in Toronto. Those count as two wins for Ottawa when they beat the, <laughs> when they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, uh, yeah, I think playoffs are a way long shot this year, but I certainly see the pieces and this, this fan base is very engaged despite a team that hasn't made the playoffs, hasn't finished from the bottom of the standings in the last four years. There's a lot to be looking forward to Uh if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. So it's, uh, it's just great for a normal season too, right? To measure yourself against all the teams in the States and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's the start of, I think, uh, the unparalleled success is going to have to wait, but it's, uh, it's at least a fun team to watch for sure.
0: Definitely. Well, Ross, I wish you luck the best of the way, man. I'm glad to hear that the fan base, you know, they're still engaged, as you said. They're patient. They're understanding the situation. And hopefully those young studs can uh, turn out to be something for you. And if the, any of my listeners out here want to tune into the Lockdown Senators podcast, one of the best across the Lockdown uh, podcast network, where can they check you out?
1: Uh, locked on dot senators on instagram send central on twitter and uh the youtube page is up and rolling i heard you're uh, going to be making that adventure here in the next week you'd love to see that and speaking of pushing our listeners onto your show we were very complimentary of your episode uh, kind of dealing with all the bullshit that came out uh the other day so congratulations on you know the way you dealt with that it's not an easy situation and uh, not like it's at all similar, but Ottawa's definitely had a few off-ice issues and those are always the least fun uh, shows to do. So I thought you handled that really well. And yeah, hopefully you get uh, a little bit better of a product here to cheer for on the ice. That being said, though, you got three Stanley Cups, so I don't really wish you that much luck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you for the kind words, Ross. It was definitely a, a tough issue to to talk about, but um, I, re- I really do appreciate uh, the kind words and um, thank you very much for that. But uh, I'm looking forward to our next chat come springtime, although, you know, I'm not sure how good I'm going to be feeling the day after my birthday it might be, <laughs> might, be little, might be a little hurting, but uh, I'll still be in, uh, still make sure I'll make time for that chat, buddy.
1: Yes, we absolutely will, man. I've got it in the calendar right now. So, yeah, all the best down the way here, Jack, and, uh, and we'll chat soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, Ross. I appreciate you, man. All right, folks, I think that will wrap up Monday, November 2nd's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Fantasy Hockey podcast as host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's a free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2 or my strictly blackhawks account at talk and hockey